everybody, welcome to Talk Gnosis After Dark. I'm Father Tony, and Jonathan Stewart is my co-host and my co-pilot. <laughs> Hi. Hello. And, uh, <laughs> hello, Chelmsford. Thank you, Chelmsford Telemedia. Um, and uh, joining us this, uh, this fine evening to talk about the 72 names of God, or the Shem HaMeferesh, is Monsignor Scott Rasbach. Monsignor, hello. Doing great. Yeah. I'm doing well. Well, if you recall from a few days ago when we had our uh, video show, uh, we were talking about the 72 names of God slash 72 angels uh, that, are, that come out of the Shem HaMeferesh. Uh, for those who didn't watch that video or have forgotten in the few days intervening, uh, can you give us a brief overview again of, of what that is and where it comes from? Sure, the 72 names are based on three verses in Exodus, and those verses are 19, 20, and 21. In Hebrew, those verses have exactly 72 letters, and so when you stack them on top of each other and read down, you can get the names of God, all 72 of them. Yeah, and um, it's it comes out of the uh, tradition of the Kabbalah. Um, right. Yep. And it has been adopted, like most Kabbalistic things, by Western ceremonial magicians for the summoning of angels. Mm-hmm. So, so, there the, you go. Yeah, let's, there's, there's a brief background. Yeah, let's talk about the sign. If you haven't watched that video, please please go do it. I give you permission to pause the podcast and go back to YouTube and uh, and watch it. And subscribe. But make sure you come back. It, make sure you come back because you won't want to miss all this. So, yeah, let's talk about it. Tell me about uh, a typical... Um, angelic summoning ritual that, uh, that you participate in. All right. So for a typical ritual, you're going to have four different parts. You're going to have purification, invocation, astral visioning, and conclusion. So the purification part is you uh, make sure your space is purified with water, with fire, incense, that sort of thing. And then for the invocation part, you call upon the names of God and you have your ritual meal. In uh, the case of the Shema Meferish rituals I've been in, you use bread and you use bread off the table of showbread. I don't know if people are familiar with that, but in the temple uh, in Jerusalem, there was a table that had 12 pieces of bread on it, one for each tribe of Israel. And so each of these angels, six of these angels are associated with a single tribe. And that's got correlations with zodiacal symbols, of course, because there's 12 of those. So that's where you get your meal from. And you do your invocation of the name of God. You invoke the name of the angel of uh, the zodiacal sign that you're in. You invoke the name of the angel that you're actually interested in talking to. And then you have a quiet meditative period where... The angel is present, and you talk, and the conversation tends to be not so much verbal as a meditation sort of thing, and so it can seem like a psychological path working or a guided visualization, but it tends to have a character to it that's different than just daydreaming or just imagining something, or even writing a novel. It's a whole different sort of interaction. And it definitely appears to be an interaction with something outside yourself. And then there's a conclusion where you kind of bring yourself back to the world, and you close down the temple, and then you go have something to drink. 
and something to eat to bring yourself back into the world and discuss your what happened to you and see the correlations with other people who happen to be at the ritual or if you're by yourself you take notes on it and then ground yourself somehow so that's that's a high level overview of how it works mm -hmm. and anybody who's who's into ceremonial magic will recognize those parts the purification the invocation the astral visioning and then a conclusion so uh how did you get involved with this well, I got involved with this actually with a gentleman by the name of Ben Pierce, who does a lot of uh, angelic summonings when I was in Madison. Uh, I don't know. He, he's a person who I got to know as I started to get involved with the church. And he's the first person that I actually summoned an angel with. I mean, he summoned the angel and I was just present. And at the time, I was thinking, this is going to be an interesting ritual. This will be kind of a neat psychological thing. And I walked away from it going, holy crap, angels are gigantic, powerful beings that are going to smush us all. Uh, <laughs> it was incredibly eye-opening to realize that it's not just a change in a state of consciousness. It is an interaction with a non-corporeal being. And I, I still hold to that. I mean, I can. I don't have any objective proof to it, but every time we do one of these rituals, there are a lot of uh, subjective proofs because people have the same images and they have the same uh, experiences filtered through their own perception. So, for instance, if there's a mountain in one person's vision, you can gar almost guarantee that there's going to be a mountain in everybody else's. Mm. That and, was an you know, interesting, uh, when we, we had, uh, it was actually, yeah, it was, this was my first AJC Conclave in Madison, actually. Uh, right. When we had Lon Duquette uh, as our featured speaker and, uh, you know, spent, spent a couple of days with him. And, and he did a scrying of the 30th, I believe, ether of uh, the Enochian system. And... Um, was that Ben or was that... No, uh, that was Lon. Lon. That was Lon who that did that. That was Lon? Okay. Yeah. Because uh, he had he was just writing his his book um, his Enochian book right at that time right. I believe yes <laughs> yeah so and uh, I was I was kind of surprised the um, the kind of uh, uh, I don't know if you'd call them visionary experiences uh, active daydreaming whatever it happened to be that you know everybody kind of experienced very similar things I believe it was like animals uh, different you know some category of animals i don't remember exactly what it was but yes it was very interesting yes i i was there for that too i've been to yeah. several of them so i got confused but i was there for that and that was definitely one of the better ones that mm -hmm. i've been to he is a, a master at that vision working yeah and i know we did enoki last week but uh you weren't there uh so no <laughs> <laughs> so but um the the time that we also the when we did it in the at the bossing conclave in 2009 and uh, and ben pierce did it there and i yes, know that enokian isn't the topic of this podcast but here we go this is what the podcast is for <laughs> so uh well we're talking about angelic experiences and so i these are the ones you've had right <laughs> you know, you, you've had enokian ones i've ha happened to have had a lot more of these Shemham Eferish ones than I have in Akian. Those are the two that I've done with yeah. Anakian, to yeah. be honest with you. And we've had so, uh, uh, Frater Ashen Chasen on the Chasan on the on the show in the past as well, and he does angel stuff too, and in kind of a um, 
I think I think the format is similar, but I don't think that the angels he's working with are the same as either of those systems. So, it, no, he. Let me see. He works with. Doesn't he work with Goetic angels? He works with Goetic demons sometimes. Uh, yeah, I, I don't. And then really know the difference. Uh, <laughs> and well, sorry, Fredder, if you're watching, I don't really. Uh, as far as I can tell, the Goetic demons are actually sublunar spirits, so they're closer to Earth. Mm. And probably the easiest to access and the least, um, uh, I, I want to say that their focus is much more narrow than the celestial ones. And you can get into planetary spirits, you can get into the Olympic spirits, which I think he's done. Mm. Um, I had his book, The Gateways Through Stone and Circle. Amazing book, by the way. Yeah. I think everybody should get it. I haven't read it as closely as I should. Who's got the but, time? Exactly. So many good books. <laughs> there, there are so many good books, and I'm in the process of reading and writing so many of them. So, speaking of good books, actually, I don't know if we. Uh, this is totally not relevant and all, and I and I can't remember the name of it. But um, Andrew Philip Smith ha just put out a new book, and I'm a big oh. Andrew Philip Smith fan. Uh, let me look it up um, in, in my next uh, couple of seconds here, and and we'll do that. But anyway, let's let's get back on topic here. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll we'll break in with that breaking news in a minute. So um, you mentioned that there is a connection to the zodiac and uh, and other stuff. How does that line up with this system? Well, if you look at the zodiac, the zodiac is basically a circle of the year, right? And so a circle has three hundred and sixty degrees, which is wonderfully divisible by twelve and wonderfully divisible by seventy two. So every five degrees of a zodiacal sign has a specific Shemham Eferesh angel associated with it. And you can use that in the ritual as going from a general sort of space to a much more specific sort of space. So when we do the invocation in the ritual that Joe has written, the invocation starts out with the four-letter name of God. So yod heh vav -Heh, but it's in a specific uh, order. So the letters are rearranged depending on which sign of the zodiac you're working with. And that's where you start, and that's the most general level. And then you move down to the uh, angel of the zodiac, the zodiacal sign, of which there are 12, and then you move down to the angel of the Shem HaMeferesh, of which there are 72. And so you go from very general to very specific in your invocation. So it's kind of that uh, that descending order of emanations that we often talk about in Gnosticism, where you start out with the undifferentiated, ineffable Godhead, and you move down the layers of divinity until you get to something very specific and very concrete. Mm -hmm. What What are you doing with this? Uh, uh, what's What's the aim of it? Uh, when you get down to the most specific, are you asking them to find your lost car keys or... Uh, well, oddly enough, you can actually get that specific. I mean, you can look, you can call upon the angel to help you with finding lost objects. You can call upon the angel to help you with the finding of ways out of situations or advice on situations or anything else that you would do with any other divinatory method. I mean, any question you'd ask a tarot card set, you can ask the angel. Now, the interesting thing, though, about interacting with the angel is that it won't always give you a clear answer to what you're seeking. It'll often give you an answer as to what its agenda is, mm. which is part of the, the interesting interaction to it. 
because it'll point you in directions you hadn't even thought of. Hmm, that's interesting. So um, it's not exactly a be careful what you wish for kind of a thing. It's it's more like, uh, you know, know your audience. <laughs> uh, it's kind of that, but it's also kind of like asking your dad for advice. Hmm. You know, you ask somebody for advice and you end up with a story about the time he was trapped on the side of the road with his tire off. You know, it's not necessarily going to relate directly to what you're talking about, but it'll have more application than you think when you think about it. And some of it's going to have to do with what the angel is good at and what they talk about. And they all have different things that they're good at. Like uh, we were talking about in the in the podcast, we were talking about uh, a certain angel whose name was Mahashia, I believe. Mm -hmm. And Mahashia was a, at good at finding things that are hidden. But if you look at, let's take uh, Vahavia, which is someone that I mentioned. That's a vov hey vov yod hey. Um, this one is to make life's energies flow in a useful direction, representing the day. Stimulate the productive uses of your energy. Um, it can use its tail as a whip for severing connections. So that's a very different than finding that which is hidden. Hmm. A little more, a little more general, a little more broad. It seems a little bit more broad, yes. But again, relating to very specifically the productive use of your energy, mm -hmm. whether that is severing a connection or creating something. It's it's a very specific sort of task. Mm -hmm. But if you go to them and you talk about, well, I'm really sad about my father's death, and they're talking about the productive use of your energy, it's not going to be helpful. But if you're talking right. about, what should I be doing in my new business, that is going to be helpful. So the questions that you ask depend on what the angel is good at to a degree. Mm -hmm. And my you senior, get more... Would you say that the system is, is particularly good for specific guidance in your life or would you use it or do you use it or can you use it as um uh you know a, a way to grow in in gnosis the same way that you would prayer and meditation like can you use it as a spiritual practice spiritual path or should it be kept for more advice practical spiritual i have a kind of specific goal well i think it I think it's a tool, and it can be used for either purpose. I There is a definite, if I need a specific thing, I call upon this angel, and that angel helps me with that specific thing. But there's also a definite connection between certain angels that isn't there with other ones. So some angels, you get a much stronger connection, and the more you summon them, the more of a relationship builds. And that leads into a much more spiritual sort of gnosis pursuit, I think just like a really good friendship would, to give kind of a, a everyday analogy. Does that make sense? Uh, yes, 100%. And, uh, and um, just kind of building, uh, you, you, know, you mentioned in passing kind of talking about, uh, you know, the kind of uh, almost an emanation-like system, uh, you know, kind of scaling down, uh, and you compare it to, to, to more classic uh, uh, Gnostic uh, thought. The, uh, can you sort of slot and understand the system in with what we think of as that classic Gnostic worldview? You know, I'm thinking the more Cephian one where 
we are far away from divinity and there's a demiurge and there's negative influences blocking us or, or do we have to not think in that headspace to be sort of uh, working through this system? I, I think you can definitely have that sort of a world view where you are, you're further and further away from divinity because that is kind of a Kabbalistic worldview. Yes. So when you're looking at the, the Kabbalistic tree of life, you start out at Keter, which is as close to divinity as you can get and still have existence, and you end up down at Malkuth, which is far as, as far away as you can get and still be cohesive. Yep. Um, and so when you're in Malkuth, the angels you're talking to are of the sun, so they're right around Tifereth. That's the angels that you're dealing with, and that's the level they're working at, because they're zodiacal angels, so the sun is their realm, and that directly straddles divinity versus material existence. I mean, that's the, the middle point right there, and so when you're working with these angels, you're working with creatures that have one foot in the divine and one foot in the material. Right. Or I, a better analogy would actually be that they can see the material from where they are, and they can see the divine from where they are. So, they have a, an interesting perspective. One thing that I often wonder about, um, being somebody who doesn't do this kind of uh, ritual work uh, myself, really, um, how do you know who you're actually talking to? Well, one of the uh, ed pieces of advice that we get from the Gnostic St. Paul is that you are supposed to test the spirits when you summon them. And so that's what you do. You test it by its name. You test it by the zodiacal sign. I tend to, being fairly Christian in my, my theories, I tend to test it with the names of God, the name of God that we're using, with the name of Jesus Christ, with the name of yod heh vav -Heh. Um, And all of these tests are pretty specific and pretty clear. Um, I have had spirits appear at various times that said, I am such and such a spirit, and when I tested them, they ran away screaming, which was a very interesting experience because I only half believed that that ever happened. Um, it has not happened since I've been ordained. Um, before I was ordained a priest, it happened fairly regularly. Since I've been ordained, it has not happened once, and it's bizarre. <laughs> it's it's like they know there's no point. <laughs> That's so kind of interesting. I... I don't know. I, I've talked to other priests about it, and they said that occasionally they've had them show up, but they've been fairly powerful negative spirits, and they've been fairly wily, and they haven't been able to stand up against questioning. So, there's that. Hmm. <laughs> and uh, I will have you know that I'm, I, I have a Bachelor's of Science, and so I'm trained in a fairly scientific method, in a mm -hmm. fairly materialistic worldview, so the fact that I'm talking about this stuff sometimes astounds me <laughs> uh, <laughs> because you know, it's we're we're so clearly taught in our schooling that none of this stuff is real and that it's some kind of delusion. And that has not been my experience and it hasn't been the experience of hundreds of other people that I know on the internet and I'm sure thousands and thousands of others in the world. So I don't know what to do with that sometimes. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's a, it's a tricky, it's a tricky line to uh, to walk. I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, <clears throat> I found the I found the book. So let's do that for a second. Um, okay. Because I think this will be very interesting to our uh, our viewers, and there's a time limit. So if you're listening to this 
uh, on or about the day it's released. The, the book is called The Lost Teachings of the Cathars, Their Beliefs and Practices. So I think that if you're, uh, if you're watching this show, that's probably a topic you're, you're interested in. Um, uh, you can get it right now on Amazon. Uh, as of the, this recording anyway, there's a pre-order price that's 45% off. So uh, if, you, if you're hearing this, and it comes out on, on November 17th, so you've got a couple of days. Um, uh, if, you, uh, if you hear this and the pre-order price is still good, then, you know, grab it. So uh, anyway, that's, that's my uh, little plug. Father, that's actually a great segue, uh, uh, talking about books and books that you can buy on, on Amazon. Uh, Monsignor, you, you have some books or, or you've co-published some books on this, on this topic uh, about these angels and these experiences. Isn't that uh, so? Yes. Uh, the person that I've been working with in the Shemha Meferesh is Joseph Wolf, and he has written these four volumes of uh, the, what he calls the Illuminated Circle. So that's dealing with these angels. The books each give some background on Kabbalistic thought. Then they give a ritual as to how to use these angels in various aspects. There's uh, you know, personal summoning. There's a group summoning. There's building a deeper connection. And there's building talismans. Those are the four rituals. The books are being updated. Uh, and in fact, you'll probably see it about the time this podcast comes out. That uh, the books are being updated to... Um, include all of the angels of a particular element. So all of the fire angels will be in volume one, and that'll be the first complete volume. And then volume two will have all of the air angels. Volume three will have all the water angels. Volume four will have all of the earth. Or, no, volume four has all the water ones. Volume two has all the earth. But uh, anyway, all of the angels will be in there. He's summoned. He's gone through and summoned all of them and has written up his experiences with each. And then he gives you the techniques so that you can do it yourself and see how your experience meshes with his. And uh, he's available for consultations if you're into that sort of thing. So you can contact him and talk about the experiences and work through it. Perfect. And do you have a book about summoning Nanael? Am I saying that right? That is correct. That is my own personal book. The uh, author's name is the name that I use when I'm doing this sort of work. And uh, Nanael is uh, an angel of Aries that told me to publish the book, and so I did. And it was a, a very unique experience. I haven't had it happen since, and I didn't have it happen before that. Um, but the more I thought about it, the more I thought it was a good idea, and so I did it. It's uh, an interesting little poetic work uh visionary trip through this the the hall of this angel was it uh no i was gonna make a joke but i don't think it would be appropriate <laughs> but i will ask you about uh, you've been um you've been tweeting on occasion under a pseudonym do, do you want to talk about that Oh, the hipster Abraxas yeah. pseudonym. Yeah. Uh, that that came up as a joke somewhere. I think it was on Facebook about there needing to be a hipster Abraxas <laughs> or something. And uh, I found this picture of uh, a rooster-headed man in skinny jeans. Mm -hmm. And so I went off on a, a tweet about hipster Abraxas living in Portland. And I did a short little tweet story and just put it out there. Uh, I've been trying to work it into a larger novel, and mm -hmm. it... Is work is going is ongoing. 
<laughs> it'll probably take a while for it to come out as a as a larger story. Yeah, I think that's a fun project. <laughs> I look forward to seeing where that goes. That's really fun. Yeah. yeah, so do I. I probably need to do a little bit more meditation on it and see what I can do with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if somebody were to um, want to start this work and, uh, and, and get into it, what, what would you say their first steps should be? Uh, well, I'm torn because this is the kind of work that really benefits from having a group around you. Mm. But the problem is, is that finding a group can be very difficult in certain areas of the country. Yeah. Um, there are definitely some online groups that talk about this. Uh, and, of course, Frater Ashen Chasen is a great example of somebody who's online on Facebook who talks about it a lot and who does this kind of work in depth. Um, I think you would probably want to start with some angels that are simpler than the Shem HaMeferish if you have no experience in it. Um, there's a great book by Father Joseph Wolf that gives a very simple ritual for summoning some elemental angels. And that would be, uh, I'll have the title for you in a second. Is that, is that kind of a hierarchy Is that between elemental and zodiacal and planetary and... Or right. is, that, is, it, is it hierarchical? Yes. Oh, okay. It, Interesting. It's definitely hierarchical, and everything in Kabbalah is hierarchical. Mm -hmm. And so your best bet would probably be to start with an elemental angel in a very simple ritual, which you can find in Joseph Wolf's book called Angels at Your Doorstep. It's a great book. It's very simple. It has a very simple ritual with very low material costs, very low barrier to entry. And it gives a very clear idea of the entity you're summoning and what you can expect. Um, and then it also gives you a very clear idea not only of what to expect, but how to tell if you've actually succeeded in what you were trying to do. Mm. So I, I find that to be the best primer that I know of out there. That's good. Um, the uh, <laughs> I like that, you know, knowing knowing how to tell if it's working or not, that's a... That's probably something a lot of beginners struggle with. Yeah, yeah, it definitely is. It's hard to tell when you're just talking to yourself and when you're actually talking to some non-corporeal being. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, in our daily lives, how many non-corporeal beings do you talk to? You talk to your keys sometimes. You talk to your, you know... Where Only did when I they're not my... lost. Yeah, exactly. But then... Uh, I talk to my phone when... fairly constantly. That's. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> is it is it schizophrenia or are they on the phone? <laughs> I think it's, it's just Google now, but uh... <laughs> exactly. Well, with the Bluetooth, it's so hard to tell. That's you know, right. Somebody, yeah. somebody on the phone, or are they just talking to themselves? Yeah, uh, you know, uh, having spent some time in New York City, it's tough. It's tough to know the difference. Exactly. Yeah. But the uh, important thing to do is to start some sort of spiritual practice because purification is a big deal, and the more of it you have to do during the ritual, the longer it takes the harder it is. If you can pre-do some of that where you're used to praying or meditating every day, it helps a lot. Hmm. Makes things a lot simpler. No. Um, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend undertaking this work unless you're doing some sort of spiritual practice, to be honest with you, because you need to be able to separate in your mind what's you talking and what's your self-talk and what's your, you know, your own inner psychology versus something coming from outside. Yeah, even just a little bit of meditation experience would show you what that is real quick. Really? I mean, the monkey mind is yeah. a chatterbox. Yeah. Um, and this is why when you pick up any sort of uh, volume of 
um, hermetics, whether it's uh, Franz Barton or Jason, Jason Newcomb or Jason Miller, anybody you talk to that's guiding you through uh, magical work says that you need to meditate and you need to have a daily practice. Because if you don't, it's just too hard to separate what's going on from what you want to go on. Yeah. Now, uh, you mentioned the elemental angels. I just want to break off on that for a second. Now, it, in our church, in the Joe and I church, we have elemental angels kind of as part of our, uh, as part of our Eucharist and our, and our other um, kind of sacramentals and things. Are they related? Are they the well, same one, kind of thing? Or One thing I do want to say is we have elemental archangels. That's, so okay, they're, sure, yeah. they're a level up. Mm -hmm. uh, the elemental angels are related to the elemental archangels, but it's, again, a hierarchy. So these, these elemental angels that are found in this book that you summon are very definitely under the subordination of the higher archangels that we're familiar with. And thus, they're more accessible. They're easier to find because they're closer to our level. The archangels are one level up. I mean, if you, if you think about the, the Kabbalistic idea of the four worlds, mm -hmm. um, we're in Asiya and the angels are in Bria and the archangels are in, yeah, no, I'm sorry. The angels are in Yedzida and the archangels are in being Bria, I think. My cap, my yeah, yeah. cabal is not as good as it should be, but you know, just Google, four it, levels and, just Google it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The angels are closer than the archangels, and that's all there is. To right, gotcha. That's very interesting. Uh, the um, uh, the the organized person in me really likes that kind of neatness and how everything fits together, and uh, you know, so it's, it's that kind of thing definitely appeals to me as a practice, but. Um, when I when I get right down to it, I don't do any of that um, complicated stuff <laughs> for my own spiritual practice. Not that I think it's bad. I just, you know. And and I think it has a very specific spiritual niche that it fills. I think it appeals to people who would work on code. I think it appeals to people who like the idea of a cryptology. Um, it's it's very much sort of busting open the secrets of the universe rather than the direct union of God. So it's kind of figuring out the mechanism that God used to create all of this mm -hmm. as opposed to just chatting with the creator kind of thing. Um, it, it's what I often talk about, the difference between the mystic and the magician. Mm -hmm. The mystic is, is looking for the direct line and union to God and will sit there and pray the same phrase over and over again until he gets there. And he goes from a human state to a divine state in one big leap. Whereas the magician wanders all over the tree of life and, you know, meanders over here and meanders over there and looks at this and looks at that and eventually finds his way up to the divine. But it's very easy for him to get distracted along the way. <laughs> yes, the ADHD spiritual practice. <laughs> uh, there's a certain amount of that. Yeah. I, I definitely, I mean, I know we're joking, but at the same time, I think there's definitely... A component to it that it there's a natural curiosity and a looking for the next new thing that comes into magical practice and so that's why you're always looking for a new system and you're always reading about this and with that and the other thing so it's it's very hard to find a magician who sticks with one tradition mm -hmm. they're always looking at 
you know, oh, look, here's Shem Hamifresh. Oh, here's Enochian. Oh, here's uh, New translation Celtic of the Picatrix. Uh. <laughs> Celtic unicorn summoning. Here's, uh. you know, whatever else you've got. So, uh, dragon magic or um, Santeria or the next thing. You know, there's, al there's always another horizon. And so that's why you get so many people derided as uh, armchair magicians and dilettantes. <laughs> But uh, I think that if you take and make a study of a system for a long time, you'll get much more qualitative results. Not that I do that, by the way. <laughs> I'm not necessarily saying that spiritual dilettantism is a bad thing. I definitely right. have aspects of that in my own practice. Hey, look, if, if we were <laughs> all already there, then we wouldn't have to have this conversation, right? <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. laughs> I think there's also a, a kind of a point there too that it's um, you know it's not a one size fits all thing you know and there are spiritual traditions and great spiritual traditions and powerful spiritual traditions where where there's an active thing that you do and you do that thing right yeah you have to just do that one thing and uh, perhaps if you're interested in Gnosticism or uh, ceremonial magic you know your personality may be more well suited to um uh you know this practice but not well suited to this practice you know right um yeah so you know this 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 particular angelic uh, uh system could have uh many powerful and amazing gnostic mystical and practical results for some people but someone else might be better off uh oh maybe you should just try meditation or alchemy or <laughs> uh, uh uh something else and i think that's uh um uh really special really powerful uh uh yeah, is that I, I definitely agree that there's there's many, many paths to reaching the divine. And you can either pick one and stick with it, or you can take a whole bunch of them in and do it that way. I think they all work fairly well. I had a really good question, but it's gone now from my brain. should have written it down. Um, oh, right. I remember now. Thanks for waiting. Um <laughs> The, so, uh, so you've gone through some of these angels, but your um, uh, your your writing partner there has gone through all of them. You said, yes. Okay. What what is that practice like? I mean, is it um, do you do the rituals kind of in an order, and then just check in with the angel and say, hey, how you doing? Nice to meet you. I just wanted to say hello. Or is this the kind of thing where you need to have a specific thing in mind before you go into the ritual? Well, the ones that I've been to, uh, I think first I'm going to set the scene a little bit. He has a room dedicated to this work. Mm -hmm. So he has an altar in the center of it, and then he has chairs around the sides, and he's got the pillars up against the wall, and he's got angelic decorations around. He's got a great statue of an angel blowing a trumpet. Just an amazing little statue about two feet high. And uh, he's got his table of showbread, and he's got talismans for all of the zodiacal signs that he puts on the altar at the time. And he's got his aspergagus so that he can sprinkle water. And he's got his incense burner. And this is all set up in this room. So it has a definite feel to it. And the ritual itself starts out with all of us turning our minds towards these verses and towards these names. And one of the, the very first things you do is you sprinkle the water and you burn the incense and you, you have your name written out on a piece of flash paper. 
and then you take the flash paper and you put it in the incense burner showing that your name is being set aside for the duration of this work and your your human everyday identity is set aside so that you can be a magician and a, an adept of the divine as you're doing this and then we read several bible verses uh psalm 23 is one of them uh i think that comes at the end though there's another one that comes in the beginning psalm 91 which is the the traditional banishing clearing out uh psalm and then you call upon the angel you do some energy work where you get your uh, robe and there's a definite visualization of moving up to the temple. So you stop at the lever of brass, you stop at the altar of sacrifice, you move up between the pillars, you go into the temple, you see the Holy of Holies, you've got the table of showbread on one side and the candelabra on the other, the uh, menorah. And so you definitely are in that kind of a space. You're in this temple. So that's what we're talking about. I mean, we're talking about setting a definite mood in a definite space. And then when you call the angel, it is sort of just, for the most part, it's just a say hi kind of time. Or if you're calling an angel you've called before, it's a deepening of the relationship kind of experience. So you're asking for further revelations and further getting to know this angel and having this time where you can get to understand more deeply what it is about and what the ideas in it are. Hmm. That's interesting. The reason why I ask is because I've, I've heard other people who work um, in uh, spirit uh, evocation traditions who say that um, it's, it's a bad idea to do kind of like the tourism, spiritual tourism thing where you just drop in to say hello, but, but I guess they're probably talking about other kinds of uh, beings there. And I, I think it does depend a lot on the being. Mm -hmm. Angels um, are probably cool with it, right? Uh, angels have a tendency to be very accessible um, and not necessarily very helpful but very accessible <laughs> so you can definitely talk to them and you can definitely have an interaction um, they are I mean in this tradition they're definitely charged with keeping creation running so since we're part of creation it works and as a Christian in the Christian tradition we're all children of the divine we're children of the, the Godhead um, and so the major domo is not going to stop what he's doing, but he's kind of got to listen to you. <laughs> Good stuff. Yeah, I do find it uh, interesting, and, and you know, going back to kind of what you're talking about at the beginning of the show. And to be honest, and uh, you know, I, I don't want to to um, to insult anyone, and don't take me wrong, but if, if you tell this kind of stuff to the wrong person, they're going to think you're nuts, right? But yeah. that, that, that said, there's almost, or there's around 2 billion Christians on earth, let alone all the other Abrahamic religions. And, uh, you know, these are all faiths that, that say that there are angels. Most Christians believe in angels. It seems almost logical or scientific. If you believe in these beings, they're in your creed, they're in your holy book, well, why wouldn't we try to get in touch with them? Exactly. And they are the intercessors between the material world and the ineffable divine. So that's kind of their point. Now, in, in traditional scripture, it's kind of a one-way deal where God sends the angels. 
but in a magical Gnostic sort of idea where we have the divinity within us, then it could be a two-way street where we contact them so they can talk to the divine for us. I think we'll have an interesting conversation along those lines next week when we have uh, Michael Stroyan on to talk about um, Christian magic, specifically how Christian magic was practiced in the very early days and um, mm-hmm. some speculation in that regard. So I, I think you'll, you hear a lot of people say, um, you know, mainstream Christians say that, you know, magic is from the devil and you shouldn't do it and they give all kinds of hand-wavy reasons why, but, uh, you know, maybe, maybe that's kind of a narrow-minded way to look at it. Well, I think that there are definitely people who use it that way, Hmm. um, who use it for purposes which would be under a traditional Christian um, morality scheme be evil. I mean, they use it to get rich. You got your cardinal sin of greed right there. They use it to become famous. You've got your pride. So it it depends on your perspective, I think. Obviously, the people who are doing it probably don't see it that way, but you can definitely make your argument. Mm. Um, I don't know how persuasive it'll be, depending (laughs) on who you're arguing with. Um, But at the same time, I I tend to keep it working with angels, and I tend to keep it so that the things that I'm asking for are very knowledge-based, or very uh, if I'm asking for something material, that it will not just benefit me that it will benefit others as well. Mm. So Please, God, give me a sports car. <laughs> so that I can drive my children to school. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> but I want to do it in a sports car, you know. Exactly. Well, it, it raises their status in the eyes of their mm-hmm. friends, right? That's what it is. No, uh, um, for instance, we had an experience here not to... I'm sure you've heard that here in the West we're having this big drought. Mm-hmm. And uh, we went for probably four months without any rain, which is weird in Oregon. So there was a working that was done to try and bring rain to the uh, the area. And uh, it was given a long time frame. And it does seem to have worked because we're getting rain now, which is good. Yeah, that's good. It's raining but here also. Well, there you go. It's been raining there for, like, the entire summer, though, hasn't it? Uh, you know, I haven't really been paying very much attention. <laughs> it seems normal. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, we we seem to have finally gotten back on a normal rain schedule, which mm-hmm. is nice. Yeah. The, winter is, the winter is wet, which is the way it's supposed to be. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Good old winter. Yep. Yeah. Can't wait. Do you get snow? a lot of snow there in Portland? Uh... About a week's worth. Really? God. Yeah, December. That's we get snow. Be nice. Yeah, that's about it. Yeah. We won't the ask Jonathan. The, yeah. the people who say that the weather in Portland is miserable are all from California. <laughs> oh, that's good. Now, now uh, I believe that's the first we've talked about the weather on Talknosis. I don't think we've ever done that before. <laughs> well, it, we did segue from weather magic. It's true. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We had, and that's not true, actually. We had a. Um, we had Lewis Kaiser on from uh, Home Temple, and um, he had oh, very, yeah. he had a very interesting story about how um, part of their uh, um, part of their process for uh, um, what's the, what's the word um, when you when one makes a bishop what's the verb I oh uh, consecration consecrate thank you <laughs> had a little brain fart there when, when <laughs> he won't consecrate a bishop unless they can actually make it rain on command 
So really, yeah. I, I hey, we need those dudes around here. I, I guess you know. Let's I bring them in. I didn't. I didn't really see the connection between um, making it rain and being a bishop, but that apparently that's a a way that he can tell. So that that was a that was an interesting conversation. It's definitely a sign of something. Yeah, yeah. Um, what? Uh, uh, just to loop back around to the uh, the book you published uh, about Nanael. Um, yeah. What? What? What did you end up publishing? Like, what? What did the the angel tell you to to write about? You know, the angel told me to write a little bit about the Bible and a certain section of um, preaching out of Matthew. And I reference it in the book. And then it was just, I, I wish I had it in front of me. I don't actually have it in front of me. I've been trying to find it. I actually can't find the uh, the original that I published. Uh-oh. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so I bet it's, it's on Amazon. It's uh, kind of distracting that I can't find it and disturbing. Um, oh, wait, there it is. Good. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. I'm getting no, way that's okay. off track. Yeah, now, yeah. No, we'll talk about that next time then. Well, we'll, yes, definitely. But it it started out as a just a laying out of that ritual I told you where they're mm -hmm. they're moving up through the temple. And, uh, you know, it, it basically lays out the beginning of the ritual and how I experienced that. And then uh, it was uh, a talking about walking on the path and how the path passes away and how long the journey goes and the holy city and, and all these kinds of ideas. And standing on the green grass, it was uh, a sort of a way to discuss ways of living and ways of of right living and ways of taking in ways of living that aren't what you would consider to be right. And so I don't know. It was it was an interesting visionary experience and it was definitely something that is not germane to me. Does that make sense? I have I have trouble even wrapping my head around it without reading it. Yeah. <laughs> interesting. Well, good. So, uh, anyway, anyway, you can check that out. Um, can they find that uh, a link to that uh, from your blog or something? Or uh, I can definitely give it to you, so you can put it in the show notes. Let's do that. All right. Let's do Perfect. that. Sounds good. Because I am almost one hundred percent consistent with forgetting to put things in the show notes that uh, we mentioned during the show. But with the three of us, will somebody will remember? <laughs> <laughs> and if I don't see them there, I will bug you. <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's good. All right. <laughs> Anyway, let's wrap things up. We're at about time here, and uh, you know it was a fascinating conversation, and, uh, and and gave me a lot to think about. And I hope that our our viewers slash listeners uh, would um, would take some interesting things away from it. Uh, we'll also put the link in the show notes. Knock on wood of the uh, four um, uh, illuminated circle uh, books as well. So uh, please do if you're interested in this uh, this work and this material, pick those up and. Uh, and, you know, talk to some angels. Let us know how it goes, you know, because we'd like to hear back from, uh, from people who learn things on this show. That's, that's the whole point of it anyway. 
so um, we mentioned uh, in the video show that uh, you know people can find you on uh, on Facebook and whatnot. Do you want to uh, plug your blog or uh, anything? Sure, else? my blog is kind of in a hiatus at the moment, but it is eighth sermon. So is everybody's blog? <laughs> Sorry, eighth <laughs> sermon to the dead. Blogspot.com. You can find me there. You can find me on Facebook. You can find me all over the place. Yeah. Eighth Sermon to the Dead, of course, a reference to the uh, Carl Jung um, short uh, spiritual document that he wrote under the pseudonym Basilides, which is yep. fascinating. Fascinating little piece of work that, uh, that I highly enjoyed. At any rate, yep. thank you so much for being on the show once again. We really enjoyed uh, talking to you, and, uh, and I hope everybody else did as well. Well, thanks a lot for having me on. It's always great to talk about this, and I really do hope people enjoy the uh, angelic summonings if they give it a shot yeah absolutely and jonathan thank you for once again helping me out always a pleasure <laughs> all right and for everybody listening along at home we will see you next week this has been a production of the gnostic wisdom network for more information about this and all of GWN's programming, please visit GnosticWisdom.net. The opinions expressed in this show do not necessarily reflect the opinions of GWN, the Apostolic Joannite Church, or any other organization. This has been released under a Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike 4.0 International License and is brought to you by the generous support of our patrons. To support our programs and become a patron, please visit patreon.com slash gnostic. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash g-n-o-s-t-i-c. Thank you.